0: The Christian Atheist. Um, it is a concept that's very thought-provoking, is it not? Yes. The Christian A... How can a Christian be an atheist? The Christian Atheist. Before we start, I want to welcome... Uh, is Adam and Laura for, Curtin here. They're from Orange County. Go to stand up. They're visiting today. They're from Orange yeah. County. Or, Adam grew up in uh, Simi Valley. We consider that a, a local... And then he went to the, um, the Parallel Universe, Orange County of Ventura, but we're less populated, is it not? We live there, it's pretty nice. Uh, but we have a nice little village here as well. I we want to thank you for coming. I think you're visiting your family. It's great. It's awesome. I also wanted to um, just remind us all of your importance of your, of your reading in your book, Repentance. My advice is after the second uh, chapter, it, it, gets, it gets better, it gets easier. First two chapters like, whoa, Gio, what have you done? But um, it is definitely um, uh, worth reading. 2011, renewed convictions, resolutions, getting the convictions you had in the past, maybe back again. That's what I would say repentance is. 2011. Today I was reading in my Bible, uh, Summer Overman got me a, a read your Bible in a year Bible, So every day is kind of charted out, and I was looking at it last night, just getting ahead of my reading, trying to make sure. I was a little behind Saturday on my reading, so I I caught up last night in my reading, and um, I noticed that January 9th was my... I said, I know that day. I was baptized 17 years ago on that day, at 2.30 in the afternoon. I remember that day. That was a good day for me. So I wrote on our little family chalkboard, Daddy's. Spiritual birthday 17 years. Signed you. Yeah. Because I want my kids to know that 17 years ago I, I, I decided to get baptized and become a disciple. And that was the biggest change in my life. A lot, my life was a lot like Steve, with a little less drugs, a little less alcohol, of course. I don't think anyone could top his uh, ventures in Ala Vista. But, um, you know, I had, a, I, had, I had a life that was just self consumed. And I, 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 would, I would be what you call back then a Christian atheist. I believed in God but I live by my own rules. So that's what the Christian atheist is like. He believes in God, but he lives by his own rules. So today's lesson is when you believe in God, but not in prayer. You believe in God, but not really the prayer part. You know, in the Bible it says this, Let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. You know, why do you pray? What do I pray? What's the point? That's what the Christian atheist says to himself. You know, they, have this, they create this long list of reasons not to pray. Oh, I don't feel good enough. It's boring when I try. It's boring. I don't see any pictures. It's boring. Can you be like a little Facebookish? No? Boring. Oh, I don't want to bother God with my petty requests. My prayers don't make a difference. The Christian atheist doesn't know how to be close to God. He excuses everything that would bring you close. He he creates the excuse why not to be close. And for us, the Christian atheist must change in all of us. My first point this morning of a Christian atheist, when you believe in God, not in prayer, is... Honest communication. If you're going to overcome and change the Christian atheist in you, you must be committed to an honest relationship with God. What's the difference between a religious person and a disciple? Does anybody know the difference? There could be many differences, but what's one that you think? The difference between a religious person and a disciple of Jesus. Any hands? Any any volunteers? Gavin Jones. I'd say a religious person knows the word, preaches the word, and is not live by the word. Okay, knows and preaches the word but doesn't live by the word. That's a good one. Steve Burns? Uh I would say the one has a lot of feelings and feels a lot of things but doesn't live live differently. Okay, has a lot of feelings but doesn't live by the scriptures. Wayne Javier you Hand I sa I saw this. I did not. Okay, sorry. I just, I saw that. Clay Taylor. I'm a good person. I don't really do many bad things. Good. Karen? I'm sorry. Jen, sorry, Jennifer. <laughs> uh, I think a religious person can know all the rules and do all the right things, but they not have a relationship. Mm. Okay. Anybody else? Marisol? Religious just can be committed to church, but there's no change in life. Mm. Mm. Karen? The religious the other Mm. Good. It sounds like you guys are describing someone that, on the outside, likes to like likes to look the part, but really, the difference is what's go, what goes on inside the heart. That's the difference, huh? I think it's what everyone was trying to, was was communicating in one form or another was there's a difference, and prayer is communicating with God. It's that simple. Did you know this? Did you know? That in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that not one disciple is recorded praying. Not, not one apostle is recorded as praying. Now, when Jesus prayed, they were asleep. Remember that? Could you not stay awake with me? Now, it may have been implied that they were praying earlier, but I, what I'm saying is that it's not recorded as they, Peter was praying with Jesus, or Peter when John went praying. James and John wanted to wanted to incinerate a village. They didn't pray about it, but just wanted to incinerate Samaria. Remember that? Yeah. Um, and I, I was, when I pondered that thought, I thought, no wonder Jesus throughout the Gospels tells them, are you so dull? Don't you understand? Are you not getting this? And I think the connection was that they were not praying. But, but, but someone would say, but they were with God. Yes, but Jesus even prayed, and he was God. So that, that excuse doesn't, doesn't match. And I I found that very interesting that, you know, in Mark chapter 9, when they tried to get the demon out of that boy, and and then they couldn't, and then the guy goes, he's all disappointed, like, Hey, Jesus, my son's struggling here, and I called your disciples over, and they couldn't fix him. And then Jesus comes over and says, This kind can only come out by prayer. And because the disciples pulled him aside and said, Jesus, that was a little embarrassing right there. I did exactly what you did I did the stuff. I did the razzle-dazzle, and it didn't, didn't work. And Jesus goes, hey, that kind can come out by prayer. See, the Christian atheist relies on sometimes what he sees, spiritual things. He just tries to imitate the spirit, spiritual activity. But true change comes from honest Communication. Well, how honest, Gio? How honest do you want me to be? Like, honest, like with my wife, honest? With my husband, that kind of honest? Or with my best friend, honest, Gio? I don't have a spouse, but mean that honest? No, I want you in the mirror, honest. You in your car, honest. You and no human souls around. I want that honesty, God says. Let me give you some examples. Why, Lord, do you stand so far away? Why do you hide your face in times of trouble? Is that pretty honest? That's a godly man who wrote that. What about this one? That's in Psalm 10.1. My God, my God. This is not Jesus. This is before Jesus, but this is a prophetic psalm. This is David saying, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. That, that kind of honesty? It's pretty honest. How about this one? Awake, oh, O oh Lord! Wake up! Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself! Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget your mis- our misery and oppression? Ever feel that way? God, you're not listening. Don't you know my situation? See, the Christian atheist feels that, but doesn't want to communicate that. He likes to, oh, no, I have to be, oh, Lord, righteous, heavenly God in heaven. You're so sacred and you're so special. But inside you're going, far. If, if I could really tell you what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And then that real feeling, it comes out to who? And when we get really honest, we'll get honest with our friend. And we'll just let him have, I really feel God's bidding me. When you should be telling him that. These are not written to like, you know, some brother in the fellowship. He's telling God, hey, hey, are you sleeping? Can you wake up a little bit? Father time? Can you wake up? That's what he's saying. How about this one? This is, this is truly open. This is Job. I loathe. My very life. You ever feel that way? My life stinks. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint. (laughs) And speak out in the bitterness of my soul. That is what the Christian atheist is not like. He does not want to be honest with inside. He wants to have the outward piety. But inside, it's like a dead man's bones. That's what Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for. They, weren't, they didn't want to be honest. They wanted just to look the part, and hopefully because they look the part, they'll feel the part. And if I feel the part, I'll be the part. But inside, they're dying. There's no honesty about their relationship with God. The Christian atheist is not gut-level honest with God. Therefore, the Christian atheist remains distant and loses his communication. You know, Jesus never criticizes anyone for their honesty in prayer. The only time he criticizes people while praying is when it's long and showy. When you get fired up, you pray You pray so radical because the brother's next to you. Oh, there's a brother. i got to show him how to do it. Father in heaven. You walk around. Zeal for your honor, <laughs> and then when you're by yourself, you're like, "Okay, God, I only got a minute for work. God, you're awesome. I really pray for pray, you. Pray, pray. Make sure my day is awesome. Amen. My boss is going to be cool. To... Amen." Jesus' name. <laughs> but when another you know, disciples around you, you kind of flip the switch. You go, "Hey, well, it's time to go." And what it reveals is that you're a Christian atheist. Because when you're truly by yourself with God, you're really not honest. I'm like that. There's a switch I would pull. Oh, so disciple, let me, let me give an example of what zeal looks like. I've done that. Shamefully, I've done that. And by myself, I'm going kind of like, God, I don't even think you're listening to me. But I'll do it anyway because I want to be righteous. And I'll just mumble these words and pray these words that have no meaning. But I know I sh- should pray. I ought to pray. And I do pray to say, I had a quiet time today. You ever do that? In case someone asks me, quiet time, secured. <laughs> he always criticizes how showy we are with our prayers. Number two, the Christian atheist. When you believe in God but not in prayer, prayer needs to be constant in a two-way communication. What do you mean, Gio? Well, the Bible says this. Uh, before I show that question, would any of us be satisfied? Would any of us be satisfied talking with a close friend, a close friend, once every few years? No, you're not satisfied talking to one of your best friends once every few years. That's that's not a relay. You you would not be satisfied. But God wants communication with us all the time. That's why He says, "Rejoice always, pray continually, not for your benefit, for you guys' benefit, Him and you. Give thanks in." All circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, all circumstances. I don't think that God just wants you to say, this is a Christian atheist. I'm going to say my prayer. I'm done for the day. It's done. It's good. good day. And then you have all these situations come up during your day, but it's never addressed between you and God throughout the day. Pray continually. And so we think, oh, I pray. You know, we're struggling. Did you pray today? Yeah, bro, I prayed this morning. But, you know, did it come to dawn on us that maybe we have to pray at break? Pray at lunch? Pray before we get home from work that we don't bring the stress of work home with us? That's why he says this is God's will is that you're constantly in prayer. It's the quality of your relationship, not the quantity of it. You can pray for an hour before work, and then by noon, you're like a non-Christian. You ever have those moments in your life? You totally jump off the cliff by noon? I've done that, and then I have, and then I'm waiting to the next day for things to change when I pray again. I get the next morning; it's like it's like Groundhog Day. I do the same thing: have pray in the morning, and I'm a non-Christian by lunch, or I respond like a non-Christian like lunch. He's not calling for longer prayers; God is asking for more frequent prayers. During moments in our life, in our day, be in the habit of praying in the moment. When a situation is coming up, you got to go in that office and explain a situation to your employer. You pray in the moment. You know, Nehemiah did that. He was the cupbearer to the king. He He says, Nehemiah, come see the king. He's like, God, please bless this moment. Please bless this. And then he talked to the king and was blessed. Praying in the moment. I think the Christian atheist wants to wait to reset the groundhog day. The Christian of the, of the scriptures is always praying from moment to moment. You, it could be a work. It could be your kid. It could be a cough on the babysitter. It could be so many things. But the Christian atheist doesn't want to pray continually. He thinks it's, just, it's a check off in the morning. You know, in Luke 18, there's a, a parable that Jesus describes... The persistent widow. In his parable, he says this woman would never stop asking for God until he answered her prayer. And sometimes we got to pray until something happens. we just got to keep praying. Frequent and honest prayers, it opens our hearts. It does. It reveals our hearts to everyone. In genuine prayer, we relate to God. And then we start having a conversation. This morning, I was praying to God, and I I, I was just having a conversation with him. It was just kind of random. I was bouncing all over the place. But that isn't how our conversations are like with our friends. Aren't we all over the place? Sometimes we we think, okay, I'm going to thank God. It's got to be formal. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then I'm going to ask you for something. (laughs) Yeah. When really it's a conversation. They don't always start with praise. I don't always start with. Karen, you're so beautiful this morning. I need to get open with you about something. I thank you for your forgiveness, and I need you to be nice to me. (laughs) We don't have conversations like that as humans. I think we've kind of formalized our relationship with God where we think it's this formal situation. When you're praying in the moment, it's never formal, is it not? You're going like, God, help me. Or God, do this. Or God, help me there. I was, just, I was just telling God how excited I was about our, you know, uh, minister's retreat we had, a little mini conference in Oxnard. I was grateful. I was just saying, God, it's so cool to meet this person, guy. That guy was great. Uh, that guy not so great, but that guy was great, you know. Just telling God, hey, I was fired about that, fired about that, not so fired about that. Just conversation. It was random. Then I jumped over to, may I help this guy become a disciple? Help that guy become a disciple. Hey, what do you think about that, God? Can you really help there? I was just bouncing around this morning, but it felt like a conversation, I was conversing, and the more I started conversing, the more I just started going. Yeah, this is great. I'm just having a conversation with God. Unanswered prayers. Ever have those? Yep. Ever wonder why God has answered our prayers? You know, you think, "Oh yeah, bro, I know." Because it's not my will, it's not the time. That's true, but I want to. I want to take a closer look at it because this is something. That creates the Christian atheist in us. We think that God's not listening. God doesn't care about me. And unfortunately, we believe that what we want is what we need. And if God doesn't hop to it and meet our whims, we cry and we lose our faith. You know, an unanswered prayer, it should remind us that prayer isn't magical. It's a magical formula. Where we do X and Y and... God is obligated to do Z. Even though we never fully understand why God answers yes to some prayers and not to, uh, no to others, scriptures show us there's some several things that matter when we pray. And we're going to look at that right now. And these things can limit our effectiveness when we ask God for something. The first one is this. We have to give careful thought to our relationship with other people. Okay, when we pray, the reason I say this is because in this passage, he says, Have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if you say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and do not doubt in your heart and believe that what you say will happen, it will be done for you. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That's awesome. That's all I got to do. And then we, a lot of us, we stop right there. I've heard it all. I have the answer. Until we see. And when you stand praying. If you have anything against you, anyone, forgive them. So that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. I think there's a connection and effectiveness that God wants to write our hearts before answers the prayer. You know when you give your child a gift it's going to be awesome? In the back of my mind, and most parents think this, is this going to corrupt and spoil my child, or is this going to really, or is he truly grateful yeah. for this? Yeah, right. You always think about when you give gifts to someone: is this going to make them like demand and feel entitled to everything that you know? Because I want to give him so much, right. but you can give him so much where you make a rotten, spoiled attitude. Right. Then they're entitled to it, right. and they want it. And I've seen that in my son too. It's like oh, i think I'm, he's just getting a little too many blessings. And So, God, think of th- that's that's the heart of God, but He also wants to look at your relationships. You know, if, if my son is mistreating his sister, don't want to bless him with hey, some more st- some more stuff, right? He's a great guy, I love you, man. Right, right. It's not going to help the relationship, is it? Another area is our motives. Our motives. Not only do our relationship matter, but our motives matter. I say this because in the Bible it says this. I try to get creative with the PowerPoint so you don't get bored. So you guys don't get bored. When, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Sometimes we ask God, and we think it's so spiritual because it's going to make us feel better. It's going to make life more comfortable for us. And so we have, to, we have to realize that God looks at our motives and what we're asking. The Christian atheist, he connects everything in his prayer, or mostly, to, hey, I want it to benefit me. Help me with this. Get me out of this. Oh, you're not answering? Oh, you're not listening? Or oh, you're not responding? Hey, are you awake up there? But Maybe because our motives. God, I've been praying this for 10 years. Have you checked your motives? Sometimes I always wonder, God, I want this person to be a Christian. That's a good motive, right? Oh, because I want people to think I'm awesome. That's right. Right? I mean, if we search the depths of our hearts, Sometimes I find myself, I want him to be a Christian because people will know that I'm really a disciple. People will know that I truly want. Versus, I want him to know God. Period. I want to save him because I want them to know God. That's it. It's an awesome experience. When we go deeper, you know, you can't bring the snorkel down there. You got to put on the scuba gear. You got to get deeper. In the depths of your heart, in the caverns of your heart, and you got to ask yourself, what are your motives? Why do you want your kids to change? Because it makes the household peaceful. I want peace, peace, when there is no peace. Why? Why do you want that brother to be humble? Because you're right. Why? Christian Atheist doesn't want to go down. He likes to stay in the foam. Oh, yeah, the foam is fine. The foam is fun. I'm going to bodyboard in the foam. I'm going to play in the the one-foot pool. And we stay shallow. He loves to hang out there because he doesn't want to go deep because it gets really complicated down there. Can't get deep. Can't go to the motives. Christian Atheist says, hey, don't judge me. I'm, not, I'm just trying to ask you some questions so, so you can evaluate your own motives. Why do you want this? Why do you want that? And if we're gut-level honest, maybe that's why God answered some prayers. The light just came on when I said that, motives. That's pretty interesting, huh? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he does have the sickle up there. <laughs> Unanswered prayers, motives. People may think all their ways are Pure. But motives are weighed by the Lord. You may think, convinced that your motives are pure, but God is the one who weighs your motives. He goes, that's not the best thing for you. But we're like, what? I'm, what I'm asking is godly. You know, sometimes godly blessings make you prideful. You know, is it true or false, the older you get as a Christian, can you become more prideful? Can you become more, teach- more unteachable? Yeah. Oh yeah, G, I I know. Oh, I know where you're going. Oh, see the kingdom first, Matthew 6:33. I know that passage. <laughs> I know. Oh yeah, trust and you know, you know fool, he knows I need them. Who's going to pay my bills? Who's going to pay my bills? <laughs> I know, G, I know. Yeah. We get unteachable. We can lose the hearts of a true Christian, because the older we get, we think we get more humble. No. You actually can get more prideful and more unteachable. Well, when you're challenged to let go of your idol, you don't want to let go. You hold on for dear life. Another thing, interesting insight from unanswered prayers is this. The way we live also matters when we pray. You know, in Psalm 34, verse 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their cry. You know, righteousness has nothing to do with perfection. God is perfect. And God doesn't expect us to be perfect. But he expects progress and effort in all of us. A righteousness is progressive. You know, in Paul, wrote to Timothy. Do these things because everyone will see your progress. You know, the word progress is growth. The Christian atheist thinks... Well, I can't change anything substantially in my character. That's what the Christian atheist thinks. I can't change who I am fundamentally. Whereas the true disciple says, hey, God can do anything. If God can have Sarah give, a birth, give birth to a baby at age 90, God can do anything. Now I can give birth, but he she weaned the child. That was my quiet time this morning. I was like... Let me think about that for a second. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. God could do anything. But do you believe that? See, the Christian atheist has selective faith. Very selective. Things that are common, yeah, God's going to bless that. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Things that seem impossible, we think, whoa, whoa, I don't know about that. It's how we live. A lot to do with what he hears. Another insight into that is our faith is a factor. Our faith. Look what it says in James chapter 1 verse 6. This is is the brother of Jesus, by the way. He says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Blown and tossed by the wind, those who doubt should not think they will receive anything from the Lord, for they are double-minded and unstable in all they do. In other words, when you pray, but don't really mean it or believe it. God says, I I can't bless that. You're unstable. You're double-minded. Here's a special note. No matter how strong our relationship no matter how pure our motives, no matter how we live or how much faith we possess, if we ask something contrary to God's will, God in his mercy won't give us what we want. You can have fulfilled all those. And if God's will does not is if it's contrary to ours, he will not answer that. But we know this. We know this is true. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything in, a, in according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. It's got to match up. And the, what frustrates the Christian atheist is that he realizes that his will doesn't match God's will, and it's frustrating. But you've got to double check your motives. Check your faith. Check your relationships. Some things, you know, looking back, I'm glad God didn't answer some of my prayers earlier on. Like, oh. Before Karen and I prayed other sisters would marry me, I'm going, sure glad that didn't happen. Thank the Lord. But I was like, God, you gotta, you gotta. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for not answering that one. I mean, in the moment, I'm going like, this, this, is, this is awesome. Years later, I'm going, what was I thinking? God is amazing. If anybody should ask, should have his prayer answered, it should have been Paul the Apostle, is it not? He did the most of any Christian in the New Testament. I mean, he did the most. You know, they, they got stones twice, and they threw it at him, and, they, and they, they, he, he was so badly beaten, they said, Oh, he's dead. He died. Oh, that's good. Good, good. Paul's dead. Twice. You know, being on a boat, being shipwrecked out in the sea, starving all the time, on the run. Hey, are you a brother? Yes, I'm your brother, Paul. We got him. He's always a brother. Who was a brother? Can you imagine? If anyone was doing more for God, it was Paul. You'd think that God would surely answer his prayer. I mean, he's doing everything. Look at what he says to God. He asked God to remove this thorn from him. Okay, three times. Three times. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I don't want weakness. I want you to answer this prayer. No, my grace is sufficient. See, no matter what prayers I left unanswered, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. The Christian atheist doesn't believe that. It's not enough. You've got to answer this. Then it's enough. And Paul embraced the situation and depended on God in a way he'd never done before. You know, unanswered prayers, I understand, they can be frustrating, especially when you're almost certain that what you're praying for must be God's will. (laughs) You know, I learned that God's will is often different from mine. And he is the one that matters most. His will matters most to me. Amen. You know, I remember in 1999, in January, I was um, five years old in the faith. It was, it was my spiritual birthday in January. So it reminds me, okay, it's my new birth. What am I going to do this year? It's going to be awesome. I'm going to pray. And I prayed and I asked God, for some crazy things. I prayed that, for 20 teens in our teen ministry to get baptized. You know, we had no, we, we couldn't work with any children of disciples because there was none. Only, we had one child who was born in the, ch- our parents were in the church. And he was born like growing up in there. It was only one. And he got baptized. Amen. That was awesome. Stephen Marucci. Little Stephen got baptized. So I said, God, we got to, so we, we had to go out and share our faith and go to high schools and meet people. Say, God, help 20 get baptized this year. And I, I thought that was just crazy. I, I, I never, that's never happened in my, my life. God blessed us with 50 getting baptized that year. It was amazing. And their parents weren't even Christians. But one thing their parents were, were amazed at, they were so grateful that someone cared about their kid. Like, you going to help them? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to help them. Can you come over for dinner? I'll come over a lot. Yeah. <laughs> sure will. I learned to stop over at five thirty at every Mary's house. How you guys doing? Great. Non-Christian dad. How are you, hey, you doing? Let's have some spaghetti meatball. That sounds awesome. I ate so much food. I never got, never gained a pound. It was amazing. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Prayed for my roommate Brian Lapel. He had to go. He went to dialysis three days a week. Had to get his blood recirculated because he, he had kidney failure as a young boy. Pray that. Pray that he would get a kidney. He's on his donor list. And you're on that list forever. Pray that this is the year he gets a kidney. Got a phone call. Got a, I, actually, I got, I, got a, I got a page on my beeper. Remember that? Go old school. Old school. Old school. Old school. Where you had to pull over to a pay phone. You thought you were so cool. I got paged. Nowadays, it's like, nowadays, like, what? Back then, you got pulled up. What's going on? Hey, what's, what's happening, Brian? <laughs> He's out there flying in a kidney for me. Can you come to the hospital? So I went over there and spent the day with him and his family, and he got a kidney. Because I, I, he would come home every, those nights just looking white as a ghost from dialysis. Got a kidney. Amazing. I pray that there will be unity in my household. We live with a brother that we had personality conflicts. He had no energy and I had a lot of energy. That creates conflict. He was smart and I had personality. We had conflict. I'm here to tell you that no matter what the personality, you can have unity in your household. We had it. It was awesome. I pray that I wasn't dating. I was just a single brother going on dates with sisters. I prayed that I would be in dating and engaged that year. That was, that was sort of the end. I was like, all right, I'm going to put it in there. I'm going to pray about this guy. I'm throwing it out there. I'm throwing the gauntlet down. You hearing me? <laughs> and I was going on dates, and I thought, God, it's obvious you've selected this one. This is a good choice, Scott. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. Wasn't the one. Another one got it, it was like magic. It was magical, God. She's got to be the one. No, it wasn't the one. So, then some brother goes, actually was the elder of the church, he goes, she have you thought about going on a date with Karen Garces, or Karen Chavez? I said, <laughs> <laughs> I said, honestly, oh, bro, I said, honestly, oh, I tried that. She doesn't like me. <laughs> it's confirmed. He started laughing. He's like, go ask her again. I said, no, no, no. you understand me? She doesn't like me. I don't want to waste my time. Go, bro, bro, ask her on another date. I said, okay, fine, because you're the elder and I have to obey you. I will. That's exactly our conversation. So I asked Karen on a date and she said, yeah, which they usually do, bros. So I wasn't excited about showing it. Yeah, I know, you're going to go, out going to be awesome, and you're going to talk about your ex-boyfriends. <laughs> yeah! That's going to be awesome. I want to hear about your ex-boyfriends. Yeah! Really going to fire me up. Because that's what happened earlier. I took her on a date, and she asked me about her, her ex-boyfriend, how awesome he was. Who is your interest? Which is a death sentence. It was you. It's a classic. God's will was greater than my will. And then in October, after a few more dates, I was like, whoa, she seemed kind of interested in that one. I said, but oh, no, I just, just she's nice. She always kills you with the question. Who's your interest? I hate that question. October second, I asked Bruce. Says, "I think she's ready to date you." you she asked you should ask her to be your girlfriend. I said, "I said ah, today sounds pretty appropriate." <laughs> so, had breakfast, dated that night. I mean, that, that, that noon at lunchtime, it was awesome. Um, one month later, November twentieth, I asked Karen to be my wife. And it wasn't like, I wasn't like, hey, Bruce, hey Bruce you know, I said this prayer, and uh, I prayed that I would be engaged this year. It's, it's, it's coming to an end. I didn't even bring it up. He goes, hey, bro, do you like Karen? I said, yeah. How much do you like her? I like her a lot. <laughs> <laughs> She's my Jenny. I love her. How much much do you love her? I'll marry her. He's like, why don't you go ahead and do that? I was like, are you serious? Got engaged. I didn't bring it up. I thought you had to date your usual eight to nine months, get acquainted, you know, and then, you know, date and get engaged three months and get married. I thought it was that. Boom. I was shocked. I said, I'm no longer a Christian atheist now. And then January... 99, November, just November, October, November, January, 22nd, got married. I didn't expect that one either. I just showed up. At the, is this the building? I think I'm getting married <laughs> today. Sounds pretty awesome. What I thought, what I wanted, wasn't what God wanted for me. Sometimes we live our lives that way, do we not? Let God will, let his will... Rain. The Christian atheist, when you believe in God but not prayer, I want you to spend time with the Christian in this room and pray together. Not your, oh, I go, yeah, i got to show him how to do it. Honesty. Realness. But also an expecta- expectation of you changing and adjusting your life to God's will. And I want you to study your Bible about this topic. It's a very good topic. All you got to do is look in the back of your Bible. Concordance. Pray. And there's many things to study. Because next week we're going to study when you believe in God but but will not forgive. To God be the glory. Thank you.